0: These moments in life that bring to us perspective. There are things that we think that are important, and then you realize, in the grand grand scheme of things, not so much. Last Sunday, I had the just the, the great honor of being uh, in Dairy Northern Ireland with our uh, with our team there, and uh, as part of the I Heart Dairy Ministry. Can I tell you? Uh, Man, God just did some amazing things, and uh, what a what a joy to be able to be there, and uh, I love the fact that technology allowed me uh, to be there uh, and yet speak to you, uh, and that was, we were able to do that. Uh, number one, technology. Number two, the time change, and so uh, when I was speaking to you uh, at about eleven o'clock uh, Orlando time, uh, that was about uh, five o'clock um, London Dairy time, and so. Uh, so I had the opportunity to speak to you and then uh, we went and grabbed a dinner and then um, went back to my uh, hotel room to, uh, to get some sleep because I knew that I had to get up at 3 a.m. on Monday to drive to Dublin uh, to get on a plane to get back to Orlando. And uh, so, uh, so went back to the hotel and, uh, and got to bed and I was tired. Uh, I don't typically sleep well when I'm traveling. I don't sleep well when, um, when I'm not with Jody. And so, uh, so I just reached the point that my body was just pretty much exhausted. And it, it had been, I felt like I was like I was running a marathon uh, with all the activity that was happening anyway. Uh, and so, uh, so we got back to the hotel, lay down, and um, all of a sudden my phone chimed. And I'd received a text from my son, and his, this is how the text starts. Dad, I want you to know everybody's Okay. How many of you know that when you hear that, right, when you get that in an email, you get that in a text, you get that in a phone call, I just want you to know everybody's okay. There's nothing good that ever comes after that. True? Dad, I just want you to know everybody's okay. Grandpa won the lottery. That that, that never happens, right? Dad, I just want you to know everybody's okay. um, Had an amazing meal. Right? It's, Dad, just want to let you know everybody's okay. But we were in an accident. And uh, my, uh, my son Drew and his girlfriend Sierra, they had been at church last Sunday, had gone out for lunch. They were coming back to the church uh, because they had uh, some responsibilities here. And as they were, as they were turning from off of, off of um, Fairbanks onto Clay, a car ran a red light and, and hit them broadside in his passenger door. And of course... Uh, the beauty of technology is now not only do you get text, but you get pictures, and I see the picture of my son's car, and it would be pretty tough to describe the knot that suddenly I felt in my stomach. Fortunately, he sent me a picture of he and Sierra standing there going like this, hey, we're really Okay. And, uh, and they, they both went to the doctor yesterday, and the doctor can confirm that they're okay. Sierra, Sierra just bumps and bruises. Uh, Drew's got two spring wrists, and so he looks like a, a serious bowler with the things on both wrists today. Uh, but in those moments, here's what you realize. You know what? The car doesn't matter, right? The car can be replaced. In fact, we when we were uh, when we were facing some some interesting challenges in the, er, in, in, the in the early days of, of 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 serving as the pastor here uh, one of our one of our elders made this comment to me he said you know pastor any problem that can be solved with money is not a very big problem now listen you might be here today and, and you're facing a financial challenge you might be here today and and, and you're facing uh, a difficulty in that area and it might seem insurmountable but. Can I offer you this today? Any problem that can be solved with money is not a very big problem. It just isn't. Right? Because we serve this God, Jehovah Jireh, the God that does supply. And what happens is this. When you find yourself in a hospital room, when you, when you find yourself in a funeral hall, when, when you find yourself facing those types of issues, you realize that oftentimes what we have focused so much of our attention on really doesn't matter. When I, was, uh, when I was just out of college, I was working for this computer company, and my boss had a sign on his door that said this, he who dies with the most toys wins. Can I tell you that that made sense to me? And I... Man, I passionately wanted to get involved in that race because I I will confess to you, I am a lover of things. Well, not so much a lover of things. I'm a lover of gadgets, okay? Give me something with buttons I'm in, right? Dials and knobs, who needs that? Remember back in the day when they had microwaves that had knobs and they had microwaves that had buttons? Who wanted a microwave that had knobs? Give me something that has, I want something that has buttons, something, something that has v- video displays. I, I, I want the car that has the backup camera with 360 degrees that can, 360 degree view, that can drive itself. And, and, and not to where people think, just because I love gadgets. Okay? I am a sucker for infomercials. I have bought, I bought the Showtime Rotisserie Grill. Anybody else here buy the Showtime Rotisserie Grill? Listen, that thing is magical, right? Because here's the thing. You can set it and then, come on, help me. You can set it and then, I know you've seen it. Anybody else buy one of those? Come on, confession is good for the soul. We can start a support group. Here's what was interesting about that. Are you ready? Their whole, the whole spiel on the Showtime Rotisserie Grill was this. It, it's this. It's this wonderful thing. It's got this little LED panel. Of course, that had me, where you can just press the button, set how much time you want, just put your chicken on there, and then you can set it and, yeah. So when you get it stamped on the outside of the box, it says when we say set it and forget it, we really don't mean it, right? You need to set it and then you need to watch it carefully. And then this thing, it, 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 it made us sound like a gerbil on a wheel, Okay. And it was, it was the most annoying thing ever. And then when I realized that the amount of time that it took to cook this chicken and the fact that I could go to Publix and buy that chicken for $4.99. You know why they say set it and forget it? Because you're only going to use it one time and then you're going to forget that you ever own it. But it seemed so important to me in the moment. And, and then I graduated from the Showtime Rotisserie Grill to the Magic Bullet. Now, the magic bullet's got to be good. It's got magic right in the name, right? This thing is amazing, and not only is it amazing, it's going to help you eat healthy. And the number of things that you can cook inside the magic bullet, the only thing I ever made in the magic bullet were smoothies. And, uh, and boy, you know, after a while, that magic bullet, it just wasn't so magical. You know, the, the things that we think that are important, I want, to be, I, I, want to, I want to conclude our series, Majoring the Minors, today, and I want to talk to you uh, about uh, a man in Scripture that he only appears in three places, and in those three places, his name only appears in a total of seven Scriptures, total of seven verses. And yet, I believe this, I believe that his life speaks volumes to us. We're introduced to him in Genesis chapter 5. He's spoken about in Hebrews chapter 11, and we're given the list of the heroes of the faith. And then a prophetic statement that he gave is is recorded in in the book of Jude. And it tells us this about this man Enoch. In Hebrews 11, it says this, By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Father, let the example of Enoch, let it resonate with us today. And let it be said of us that we are one who pleased God. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you that it is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Thank you, God, that we can hide your word in our hearts, that we might not sin against you. We commit this to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's let's get introduced to Enoch a little bit. So Adam and Eve, right, Adam and Eve were in the garden. Adam and Eve sinned. And they're removed from the Garden of Eden. And and, and life without that, that constant presence of God became Adam and Eve's norm. They have these two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel, sibling rivalry. Cain kills Abel. After Cain kills Abel, we have now Adam and Eve and their sons, Cain and Seth. If you follow the lineages that are in the Bible where it talks about generation to generation, it does not follow the line of Cain. That's considered to be the godless line. Although, obviously, Cain has children, right? And we have a, a world population that comes from Cain. Then we also have the world pop, uh, segment of the world population that comes from Seth, the godly line. And when you look at the lineages that you find in the Bible, it's the lineages of Seth. And if you, if you go down seven from Adam, you're introduced to this man named Enoch. And here is, here is that, that godly lineage that's recorded. It starts at Genesis 5-1. We're introduced to them. Okay? And in Genesis 5-1 it says, this is the lineage of, of Adam. And then it talks a little bit about Adam. And in verse 5 it says this, altogether Adam lived 930 years. Yes, 930 years. That's a long time. And then he died few verses later, in verse 8, it says, altogether Seth lived 912 years, and then he died. Three verses later, altogether Enosh lived 905 years, and then he died. Verse 14, altogether Kenan lived 910 years, and then he died. Verse 17, altogether Mahalalel lived 895 years, and then he died. Verse number 20, altogether Jared lived 962 years, and then he died. And, and, and we're told about generation, 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 generation. Adam, he died. Seth, he died. Enosh, he died. Kenan, he died. Mahalalel he died. Jared, he died. And then in verse 21, we get to Enoch. And it tells us this. It tells us when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters, and altogether he lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God. He was no more because God took him away. And then after that, we're told about Methuselah, who lived 960 years, and then you know what happened to him? He died. His son was Lamech, who lived 777 years, and then he died. So generation after generation, he died, he died, he died, he died, he died, he died, he died. died. Enoch, he did not die. Okay? Why is it that he did not die? Enoch lived his life in such a way that he had such a connection with God that God said this, Enoch, I don't want you to experience the sting of death. And at 365 years of young, God calls him home to his eternal reward. Listen, friends, I'm convinced of this. Somebody that gets God's attention to such a degree that God says, listen, I'm going to spare you from death, but I'm going to call you while you're alive heavenward. I believe this. I believe that somebody we need to pause and go, hmm, what's his deal? And I, I believe this, I believe that as, as we look at the life of Enoch and we look at from these, from these three different areas of Scripture, these seven verses total, what we know about Enoch, I believe this, I believe that there are some principles that we can apply to our life that can shift our perspective and affect our position. And I want us to take a few moments to look at those this morning. Enoch, and and the example that Enoch gives us of of living life to its full, of of living life to its limit, because isn't that what God wants for us? And really, isn't that what we want? You know, my, my boss who had that sign on his door, he who dies with the most toys wins, really what he was saying was this, I want to live a life that's fulfilling. Unfortunately, He, like so many of us, he was confused about what really creates a fulfilled life. And he was convinced that that fulfilled life would come from his sports car and his speedboat. He's not alone. There were others in that same company that that their goal wasn't the sports car and the speedboat. Their, Their goal was this. They were convinced that a life well lived is a life that gets them far up the corporate ladder. I also worked alongside people that were convinced that life was, life was simply meant to be experienced. And these guys, they lived for the weekend. Right? They're the guys that had the tuxedo t-shirt. You know, and, and they, had the, they, 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 were, they were building that wall of beer cans in their den. And, and, and that's, that's what they're going to leave their children, a, a, a wall of, of beer cans. So, Dad, what did you accomplish in your life? I drank this many different types of liquor in a failed attempt to self-medicate because the reality is the life that I was living wasn't as much fun as I thought it would be. And for it to look like fun, I had to be pretty inebriated. Wow, did I just go from preaching to meddling? We should probably pause on that one, huh? So what, what makes life work? Isn't it interesting that the higher the per capita income of a community, the higher the suicide rate? Doesn't it seem that maybe Our culture is is chasing after something that is profoundly hollow. And wouldn't we be well-served to maybe take a look at what God says about a life that's well-lived, seeing how he is the author of life, seeing how he is the creator of this entire concept. And what is it said about Enoch that he was commended As one who pleased God. Pleased God to such a degree that God said, come on, Enoch. Come experience all that heaven is. So let's do this. Let's unpack those seven verses of Scripture found in three different places. And let's see what we can discover about Enoch. Notice this. That in Genesis, the fifth chapter, it tells us this. It says, and after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch... Walked with God. Enoch walked with God. I I love that. I love the fact that Enoch walked with God. And, And I believe this. I believe that there's a significance in that phrase. And it's important that we understand the difference between living for God and walking with God. Right, Jesus said this. He said that uh, when the Son of Man comes, that He will separate the nations as the nations separate, or or, or as the shepherd separates sheep from the goats. And He'll say to those on his on his right, "Come, you blessed of My Father, inherit the, the kingdom that is prepared for you since the foundation of the world." And He'll say to the left, those that are referred to as the goats, "Depart from Me, you cursed ones, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels." right? And, and, and they'll say, well, w- w- why? And he'll say, listen, it, it has to do with what you did and didn't do. Now, if we're not careful, what can happen is this, is we can get from that story the mistaken assumption, if we look at that story by itself, we can get the mistaken assumption that Christianity is all about what you do. But you have to couple that with Jesus' declaration That there will be many who will say, but did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do all the things that we are supposed to do? And he will look at them and say, depart from me, for I never knew you. You see, the God who created you, who has laid out this wonderful destiny for you, who has provided a way of redemption for you, did not create you as a taskmaster. And he did not create you simply to where you could accomplish the things that he wants you to accomplish and live your life as a checklist. And and, and here's the reason why, by the way, friends, here's the reason why mankind tends to gravitate towards that, why we tend to gravitate towards doing things for God, as opposed to living in active relationship with God. Because when I do things for you, I'm still in control. But when I do something with you, there's interaction, there's connection, there's mutuality. And God designed us, yes, it is true, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which He has prepared in advance for us to do. But you cannot take that Scripture and divorce it from the Scripture right in front of it that says this, that it is by grace that we are saved, through faith, not by works, Right, Because we don't want to get caught up in who we are. We're supposed to live our life with an understanding of of who He is and the identity that we find in Him. And yet, can I offer you this? It is is my profound belief that the vast majority of Christendom today does not have a genuine relationship with a living God. We have a cultural connection, and we have a cultural connection, and we live with a mistaken assumption that we're doing all the things that God wants us to do, and therefore we're okay. And listen, that type of holiness, all that does is cause us to be smug. I am better than you because I don't smoke, don't dance, don't drink, don't chew, and don't hang around with those that do. And by the way, if you come from the Pentecostal persuasion, you'll say this, I can speak in a language that you don't understand, and so that makes me far more spiritual than you. And so we we lose perspective on what it is that God is really wanting us to do. The book of Amos, it says this, how can two walk together unless they agree on where they're walking? So let me ask you a question this morning. Are you living your life for God? Or are you living your life with God? Listen, that's worthy of of more than just a a cursory glance. That's worth an an, an honest assessment, an honest evaluation. God, do do I live my life to please the Christian community around you? Do I, do I organize my day in such a way that I can check off the boxes? Or is the is the sincere desire of my heart simply to do life with you? and it said about Enoch that he it doesn't say that he lived for God it says that he walked with God I'm convinced that walking with God it requires honesty it requires transparency it requires intimacy it requires consistency how about this morning we allow the convicting work of the holy spirit to speak to us in this moment god are we both individually and collectively as a church are we living for you Or are we doing life with you? Living for God is pretty hard. Let me say that again. Living for God is hard. There's all kinds of temptation that comes our way. There's all kinds of pressure that fills our day. Living for God is, is hard. Living with God, it's wonderfully liberating. It, it really is. I'm convinced that's the reason why Paul said this. For am I now striving to please God or men? For if I'm striving to please men, I am not a bondservant of Christ. Enoch, he he walked in a deeply committed relationship with God. And and it it was out of the context of that relationship that his earnest desire was to please God. Right? Right? That's what it says in in, in Hebrews 11.5. It says that he was commended as one who pleased God. In that very next verse, it says this, for without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Enoch's focus was in walking in relationship with God and living to please God. In a couple weeks, Jody and I will celebrate our 32nd wedding anniversary, 27th of July, if you're thinking about getting us a gift. And um, no pressure. I don't know what 32 years is. Um, I think 32 years is Apple products, but um, you can let that sink in. The… But I'm, I'm getting to the age now where people ask me, they go, so what's the, what's the key? And I'm going to tell you what the key is. Mark, you can write this down, okay? I'm going to give you three, okay? Number one is this, separate cars, right? Because it seems like in every marriage, one is always early and one is always late. I will not talk about uh, who in our marriage, which one's always early and which one's always late. I will still tell you this, I'm always early, but I won't talk about which one is always late. <laughs> Number, number two is this, the importance of never going to bed angry, right? The Bible says don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And can I tell you this? In 32 years of marriage, we've never gone to bed angry. Now, we've had some really late nights, um, like seriously late nights. And I've had those moments where I'm like, no, I'm going to, I don't care. I'm just, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. I always have to be the one to say I'm sorry first. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm going to bed angry. What's, hey, what's one time going to hurt? Right? And then I'll lay there and conviction will come upon me. And Sweetheart, I'm sorry. Oh No, I'm sorry. Right? I do hate the fact that I always have to be the bigger man. Jody, I don't know where you are in the room. Oh, there she is. Jody, I hate the fact that I always have to be the bigger man. But you know what? 32, after 32 years, I'm just used to it. And um, And here's the third is this. That very early on in our marriage, I, I was at uh, a, 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 I don't even remember where it was, but I was at something where the, the speaker uh, made a comment and it resonated with me. And so I, every day, I pray, pray this prayer. And, and I, I, I pray five things. And three of them have to do with what I do as a pastor. And, and, and I'll share with you what they are. I pray this every morning. God, help me today. Help me to live my life to where my motivation is pure. I want to do what I do for the right reason right, um, that my methods are professional. I, I want to represent God, and I want to re- represent the church that I serve well. Um, and uh, and I want to make sure that my message is prophetic. I, I, I don't want to just get up and speak because I have to say something. I, I want to have something to say, and I want it to be God's message. And, and, then, and then two have to do with my family, and, and I pray this every day. Um, for the last, this has been about 27 years, um, I, I pray, God, sh- uh, help me today to make Jody feel like a queen, and God help me today um, to, to 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 organize my family in such a way that my house is filled with love and laughter. I I my my focused intent in, in the context of my relationship with Jody is that what I do will make her feel special. That what I do will make her feel like a queen. And can I tell you something, men? For thirty-two years, it has worked. It works. And, and what's true, what's effective in the context of our earthly relationship, our horizontal relationships, is true with our vertical relationship. And so when we, when, when we say, look, God, what I, what I want to do, I want to live my life in, in, in such a way, walking in relationship with you. I, I want to please you. It works. And, and, and Enoch, in doing this, Enoch lived his life in such a way uh, that he was missed. It says in Hebrews 11.5, it says, and he could not be found. Now, that infers that somebody was looking for him. Enoch didn't just connect with God. He connected with the people around him. And and, and he also, he lived in such a way that he left a testimony. It it tells us this in Hebrews 11.5. It says that for, for before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. So, The question of the day is this, what would you be commended for? Well, he would be commended as one who was always angry, right? She would be commended as one who could make an amazing pie. Those things are good things. And by the way, if you make great pie, I'd love to meet you. Uh, And and I'm not overly particular about the flavor. However, not just pie. If 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 you if you're like a champion of coconut cake, hmm. it's always dangerous when a pastor talks about food as, as, as when the clock's getting close to noon, isn't it? Right. The commendation that Enoch received was this: he was commended as one who pleased God. That's his testimony. God, what what will they say about me when I'm gone? You know, this is where where God's challenge to us when he says, live your life in such a way that if they want to say something bad about you, they have to make it up, sure rings true. And Enoch, the testimony of Enoch was this, that he was a man who pleased God. He lived for that which mattered most. And I, I'm, I'm convinced of this, that Enoch lived for the things that mattered most because he lived with the realization that our life is on record. Our life is on record. Our life is on record for the people around us. And it's on record with God. Jesus, as he was finishing the Sermon on the Mount, he gave this challenge. He said, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where rust and moth corrupt, where thieves break it and steal. But instead, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. That's an interesting statement. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. If you read through Scripture, what you'll discover is this. is that God is consistently a rewarder. And the Bible makes it very clear that it's appointed for all to die, well, almost all, and then comes the judgment. I want to talk to you for a moment about that judgment. It's it's very important. See, our God is a perfect God. And when he created man, right? We started this morning talking about Adam, right? And then seven generations, we get to Enoch. Two more generations, we get to Noah. Enoch was the great-grandfather of Noah. When God created Adam, he created Adam perfect and right. But man chose to step into imperfection, to step into what the Bible calls sin. And and the result of what Adam and Eve did there at the dawn of creation in the Garden of Eden, it has had a ripple effect to this day. And and we are all sinners, each and every one of us. None of us are perfect. And, and, And there's no way that we can make ourselves perfect. We are all sinners, okay? And, and you t- today, you walk into this place and you're a sinner, but, but know this, you're not alone, okay? We're all sinners. And, 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 and the, the results of that, here's the way the Apostle Paul put it. He said, for the wages of sin is Death. Well, everybody dies. Yeah, when, when Paul talks about the wages of sin as death, he's not talking about just physical death. He's talking about spiritual death. Being eternally separated from God. But see, that, that was never God's plan. That's not God's plan for you. And so God in his love before the foundation of the world, God pro- provided a way that we could be made whole, that our sin issue could be dealt with, that this imperfection within us could be righted. See, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're told this, and in, in, in close, to close to the end of the Bible, in a, in a portion of the Bible called 1 John, it tells us this, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all, unri- all unrighteousness. And it, it kind of echoes what Jesus said when, when he met this religious guy that knew that religion wasn't the answer. And, and this, this man asked him, a guy by the name of Nicodemus, and he came to Jesus at night because he was embarrassed to come to Jesus during the day. And he came to Jesus at night, and he said, Jesus, what must I do to, to, to be saved? And Jesus said this. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes on him will not perish but have everlasting life. And see, it's, it's God's desire for you not to be judged for the things that you have done wrong but that, for you to accept the price that Jesus paid when he died on the cross. And the life that we live, we live it by grace. right? Accepting the gift of Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you have yet to say yes to the gift that Jesus Christ makes available to you of new life in God through him, the Bible says that you will stand in judgment for everything that you have done. And it doesn't matter how many good things that you have done. All it takes is one bad thing. Anybody here that's not done at least one bad thing? All it takes is one bad thing. One bad thing means you're a sinner. Okay? And, 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 and the penalty for that sin is death. And you will pay the price for that in your life. Unless, unless you accept the gift that Jesus Christ makes available to you. And even today, okay? By the working of God's Holy Spirit, God's speaking to you and saying, "Today is your day to accept that free gift." And before we leave here, you're going to have the opportunity to do that. Okay? We're not going to ask you to join any club. We're not going to ask you to sign any forms. We'd love to give you some information that will help you in the next steps. But we're not asking you to join our join our group. We just want to make sure that you have accepted this gift that God has made available to where your eternity is set. The Bible says that we're all going to be judged. So if we're not judged for our sin, if we've accepted Jesus Christ, what are we judged for? The Bible says that we'll stand before God and He will judge us for the measure of our reward. Right? It echoes what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Our God is a rewarder. He is a rewarder. We're told that over and over again. The life of Enoch, God said this about Enoch. He says, he, 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 he says Enoch, the fact that you are one who walks with me and you walk with me at such a level that it's not just evident to me, but it's evident to those around you? Enoch, I, I want to do something special for you. I, I want to I call you home before you ever have to experience the sting of death. Because friends, friends, That really is, it's it's reflective of the heart of God. It's reflective of the character of God. And this morning, he brought us here, first of all, to deal with the sin issue. And those of us that are here who have yet to accept the gift that Jesus Christ makes available, God wants to make it clear that today's your day. This is the time to do that. And then beyond that, those of us who maybe have made that decision, but... But we're kind of chasing after some of the wrong things, right? We're we're chasing after worldly pleasure. We're chasing after worldly position. We're we're living for God, but not living with him. And the world around us, they watch that and they go, you know, this Christianity thing you do, it's way too difficult. Y'all got way too many rules and regulations. I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't deal with that. I like go into church, I don't know when to stand, I don't know when to sit, right? And uh, and I just whenever whenever I'm around you, I just I feel judged. And when I go to church, I I just feel bad. What that judgment and that bad is? It's called condemnation. There's an awful lot of condemnation in the world. And I love the fact that Enoch was not condemned, he was commended. And it's not God's heart to bring condemnation on you, it's God's heart to bring commendation on you. Come on. That's the heart of God. Condemnation is the work of the enemy of God. It's the work of Satan. Here's what God brings that I do love, though. God brings this thing called conviction. And what conviction is, conviction isn't feeling bad about who I am, conviction is having an earnest desire. To become what God wants me to be. And my prayer this morning is that no one here feels condemnation. But I also pray that you feel the same weight of conviction that I feel this morning. If I were to confess to you, I I would have to confess to you this, that I often get sidetracked in trying to do things for God instead of walking with God. It's so easy to get so caught up in doing the things that I think God wants me to do that, that I lose sight of spending time in His presence. It's easy as a pastor to, every time you open up the Bible, to be, to be looking at, at something that you can share with the people rather than saying, God, let your word speak into my heart today. God, reveal yourself to me today. And it's easy, it's real easy to live this life as a Christian, living for God. God when God says that was never my intention. My intention is that you live with me. There's a lot of things that you can learn from Enoch. But the question of the day is this. And my hope is that you will not take a defensive posture in this moment, but instead that you'll take an open posture towards God. God, in in what I'm doing, even in coming to church this morning, did I do this for you? Or did did I do it so I could be with you? God, what I will do tomorrow, the way that I will live my life tomorrow, will I be doing that for you? Or will I be doing life with you? For Enoch was commended as one who pleased God because he walked with God. Father, I I, I do. I thank you today for the privilege of being in your house. I thank you, God, for the joy of being able to consider your word. And I'm grateful today, God, for the example of Enoch. Let let his life, his life that did not see death, let his life, let it resonate with us in this moment. God, we commit this to you.